Welcome to another episode of Make and Multiply, a podcast for the people of Emmaus Road Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. My name is Ryan Chase, one of the pastors at Emmaus Road, joined today by Mark Christensen and Matt Groon. And we call these episodes at the beginning of the week, Hear and Obey, because that's the habit that we practice together in community. In our context, we refer to um, these gatherings of discipleship huddles. That's mainly where we we gather to uh, be hearers and doers of the word, to to really dig into the text of scripture that was preached mm-hmm. on Sunday to apply it to our lives, to be not just hearers only, but doers of the word. And today we're in Exodus chapter 20, uh, coming to the end of the 10 commandments. Mm-hmm. We've got the ninth commandment here. And, um, so wrapping up this series within a series this, this coming Sunday, but excited to talk about this. Um, Matt, you preached this yesterday. Thank you for mm-hmm. how you served our, our church and unpacking, um, the ninth commandment. So let me read this verse 16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Lord, this is your word. These words, these commandments are glorious. They reveal to us your nature, your eternal truth and righteousness. Uh, They reveal sin in us and convict us of our sin. They point us to Christ and they reveal to us your moral will for our lives and our sanctification. And so we pray that you would conform us to your likeness in true righteousness and holiness in Jesus' name. Amen. The ninth commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Mm. Um, Matt, we were just talking before we turned the mics on about, um, you you know, having preached a couple of these commandments, uh, sometimes the text of scripture really sets for us the parameters. We're trying to get into the logic of the text and, and the sermon structure kind of takes shape around, well, what's the, the logic and the structure of, of the text and, and how is this passage even applying these things? The Ten Commandments are so foundational that they really are incredibly broad because mm-hmm. it just it pertains to all of life. <laughs> this is the summary, as you pointed out in your sermon. You, you can summarize God's whole moral law in two commandments, love God, love your neighbor, um, or, you know, you could get a little broader than that and summarize all of God's law in ten, these Ten Commandments. And this is just, mm-hmm. it covers everything. And from there, the hundreds of other commandments really are just drilling down into these ten things. So it, it, it's so broad, a commandment like, you shall not bear false witness. Uh, there's so many ways that you could take this, but, um, it, you know, just struck me that your application for us yesterday for this particular time, the, the culture we live in, the the moment that we are in as a society, um, the things that we are facing and dealing with, uh, um, you know, I would encourage anybody listening to this, if you didn't listen to the sermon, go do that. Um, but the application that we love our neighbor best by loving the truth mm-hmm. and speaking the truth, mm-hmm. that speaking the truth and loving our neighbor are not two different things, that, right. that's one and the same thing. Um, so yeah, I was just curious, what other ways could that have gone uh, in terms of application of the ninth commandment? Because there, there's so many <clears throat> questions, you know, for, for I'll just off the top of my head, having taught Christian ethics like you do to high school students, um, you know, I always did a unit on deceit. I, I thought it was a, a great um, ethical issue just to begin to help students learn how to do some moral reasoning and mm-hmm. think through kind of moral dilemmas. And kind of the classical moral dilemma is... Um, is it ever right to lie? Right. Uh, if you say you live in Nazi-occupied Holland and you are hiding Jews in your attic and the Gestapo knocks on the door and says, mm. are there any Jews in your house? 
you're a Christian. Yeah. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Can you lie to hide the Jews to save them from the Nazis? That, that's a, a, a great conundrum to think through, mm-hmm. wrestle through, not where you went with this text. No. Lots of things that could be said that weren't said. I just, you know, curious how you were thinking through yeah. that. No, you're exactly right. I mean, <clears throat> this, these commandments really are because they are really foundational creational principles for the good life, if you will, of, of what it looks like to, to love God in a covenantal structure that he mm. sets. Those, all of these have obvious ethical implications. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, in your, your sermon on, uh, on you shall not murder, there's, there's direct places to go like mm-hmm. abortion. That, that's an ethical reason, an ethical trajectory. Uh, and like you said, the, the classical one for this is, when is it ever right to lie? Can I lie? Um, and I guess this is what, this is, it's, maybe it's helpful to talk through a key difference between teaching and preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, teaching, when I, I'm a teacher, and p- certainly part of our role as pastors is to teach, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to, but teaching really is a transfer of information from one head to another in a winsome way. In a, in a way that makes sense. So in a sense, teaching is that. So that, that's a great example to use to learn moral reasoning, to, to, to think through and to... But when we're preaching, I think we're just aware that this is greater than just a, a, tra- a data dump, a transfer mm-hmm. of information. We're not here just to kick it around and mm-hmm. think, oh, we've, we've come to the right, we've put the puzzle together right. Mm-hmm. Um, but rather, what is God's word applied to us. That's what's helpful about this podcast, this practice of hearing and obeying, Mm. because how am I going to obey a sermon that just says, Hey, let's talk about the difference between like, can you ever lie? Like, right. (laughs) Well, it's not a lecture. Right. Exactly. So to right off the bat, as I was studying and pondering and praying and, 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 and writing, it was, I just decided early on, I was going to try and attack and go after the real existential things that, people really are going through mm-hmm. um, like being sent emails from HR that says, Hey, we've heard that you're not using preferred pronouns. We need to talk to you like that real life altering moments mm-hmm. um, where you really do have to choose. Am I going to um, cling to something true yeah. that's external that's outside of me? And it's just culturally a new thing because mm-hmm. for millennia now, it has been an assumed thing that truth really does just exist outside of us. And so we really are now 300 years later dealing with the, the seeds that were sown in that time period of removing truth, not from a revelate, a revelator, uh, a, mm. a God who exists outside of creation, but rather in the enlightenment, this idea that, oh, we can know truth apart from God. Mm. We just have, we've got science, we have our own reasoning, um, and despite 300 years of chaos, we still have gotten worse. Yeah. And so now we're still at, in a rapid exact, downward slippery slope. And so now like to stand on a street corner or to stand in, a, in an office at a hospital where you're being told to, to as a nurse to, to treat people this, you know, you can't use um, w- woman, you have to use, you know, pregnant people or whatever. Right. Um, and being just birthing person, right. Just being told this, I thought this was, an assumed thing for a long, mm-hmm. like I thought we all just knew this to be true. So the reality of, of obviously self-evidently true things are no longer 
true anymore. Yeah. And it's not just, again, for the halls of Twitter and Facebook for people just to yell at each other. It's your boss saying, mm-hmm. get on board or find a yeah. new job. So connected people's livelihood. Right. And so what does God's word say yeah. to us? Yeah. And that, that really is the, the, the burden of preaching is what what is God's intended redemptive effect mm. on his people? Yeah. He, he really, we do really believe that his word is meant to sustain us, to build us, to edify us, to convict us, mm. um, and to, and to strengthen and provoke and all the other words. It really does do that. We really do believe it does yeah. that. So it, that was my main mm. idea of, I, that's helpful. I do believe it in not just again, to talk about the separation of like, we can't also separate the words we speak from the speaker. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we said this the other day or with all these commands. We can't separate the action mm-hmm. from the doer of the action in such a black and white way. Like sure. mm-hmm. the so, sin and the sinner. Right. So the, they the, go call, together. the call from the text is not just to stop lying, mm-hmm. but to love the truth, to be yeah. a, a person truth of teller. the truth. Yeah, yeah. One of the commentators who, uh, this was one thing that didn't make it in, but um, by he says by placing the emphasis on the person testifying, which is what the text is doing, rather than the testimony, the prohibition addresses the issue of the witness's character, mm-hmm. rather than simply accuracy or truthfulness of what he or she says. Uh, so it's mm-hmm. not just about do yeah, you say content, truth, right? right. Yeah, it's not right. just about the content of what's being said, but and that's what I was trying to communicate mm-hmm. by. You have opportunities every single day, thousands of opportunities to obey or disobey that. So it, it, it includes things like gender dysphoria. It includes things like what you wear, how you, what you, what you, of course, what you say, but our, our very lives, do, are we going to live with the grain of God's creation or yeah. against it? Yeah. Yeah. And so there's a lot of different application paths that we go down with this text um, since it is so broad. And the, the context that you settled us in was, it's not just you yourself, Ryan Chase, do not bear false witness against your neighbor. But it says, how do you respond when someone is living by lies in front of you yeah. and is projecting a lie in front of you? Are you going to go with that or are you going to live not by lies and according mm-hmm. to what is true? Right. So that's where you helped us yesterday, Matt. And I just thank you for that. Being mm-hmm. Living in such a confused world that just seems like lies are they feel like reality almost, yeah. which is sad, mm-hmm. especially if you're working in the secular workplace. Um, and so how do we live as Christians? Yeah. Do we just go with the flow or is there actually something worth living for? And I think, you know, the Christian response to this growing insanity, it seems to have been most recently, well, let's not get into a fight. Like let's not this niceness or winsomeness category of, of, well, don't be antagonistic. Don't what? And I, I try to make that clear. Yeah, don't be a jerk, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? But you, you don't. If that's that's the main connection that I saw in the text. It, if you are going to actually love your neighbor, you must first love the truth. Mm-hmm. And so, it, like when you like Mark, how you said uh, a context of like somebody is living by lies in front of you, um, and then not just doing that. But our culture is asking you to participate in that, right. right? They're asking you to not just, you know, remember when uh, when gay marriage was on the on the docks, it was always this, just let us do what we want in our own, the privacy of our own home. Mm-hmm. We just want the same rights as you. Well, those of us who had eyes could see that it was never going to stay that way because marriage is by nature a public act. And that's the point. Our lives are public acts. Mm-hmm. Our sexuality is a 
public act mm. um, because we are sexual beings. So we that had to spill out to like the uh, forget the name of the cake um, Jack yeah. Phillips and the yeah the cake baker in that's Colorado. right where yeah. or the he, florist in Washington. He's brought all the way to the Supreme Court for not participating yep. in a in in. Be- trying to beautify that which God has called ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we're, you know, those those terms, we're fighting two things of wanting to wanting to speak the truth, but also not wanting to, you know, be antagonistic or separate ourselves. Mm. But Christ calls us to love everyone. That's the your neighbor. And that's that word study that I tried mm-hmm. to just walk through is like, that means literally everybody in your proximity, <laughs> including your enemies, including mm-hmm. those who desire to, live by lies, those who desire to suppress, who are suppressing the truth in their own righteousness. So we're called to love our enemies, but the way that we love them is not by lying with them yeah. or, or lying, you know, joining them in the lie, but by lovingly telling them the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like Paul makes the point in Ephesians four. Th- this is how the body of Christ is built up uh, as each member speaks the truth mm-hmm. in love That's right. to each other member. So this is God's design. And I, we love that phrase, you know, speaking the truth in love because it, it ties those two things together explicitly mm-hmm. that truth and love go together. Um, th- there is a way to speak the truth, like you're saying, and, and be a jerk about it. Um, but from the heart, when it comes from that, you know, your, your points, hating falsehood and loving the truth and loving your neighbor, um, then it, it, it should just be one thing out of right. love we stand for the truth. And so I just, I thought your application of that, of all the, the ways this could go and some of those other things that are fun philosophically, mentally to mull over, like, is it ever right to deceive? What about, you know, a trick play in football or an ambush in a military campaign right. or, you know, God told Joshua to set an ambush for the city of AI or, you know, th- th- those are fun things to think about, but where we are in our everyday lives, I thought, you know, th- this application is you- you're taking the timeless, absolute truth of God's word and applying it, you know, to apply, like you apply a bandage mm-hmm. or a coat of paint to a wall. You-, you take one thing, you press it onto another and, and you just took this truth and-, and pressed it onto our lives. The-, the culture that we live in full of, like you mentioned, the- those, those words that have become a big deal in the last few years misinformation and yeah. post truth and people talk about you know this is my truth and that's your truth and um and and yet at the same time there's this inconsistency of it's it's not really a everybody live your own truth thing it's mm-hmm. this is you know these are my pronouns and you have to use yeah. them or else you are doing violence against me yeah. or there's this whole category of hate speech you know if you say something <laughs> you believe is true but it hurts my feelings i can accuse you of engaging in hate speech, which is actually violence against me. And then I can report you to security. (laughs) I mean, it's just a a crazy world that we live in right now. And and it comes down to fundamentally these categories of truth and deceit. What is reality? What is actually real in the world as defined by, described by God himself? And that's what the apostle Paul goes to after obviously post Christ, post resurrection, Paul says in Romans 1, his letter to the Romans, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation for all who believe. So he's saying, for the righteous shall live by faith. Yeah. And then he goes into all these categories where men by their unrighteousness are suppressing the truth. Mm. And then he lists out people disobeying the Ten Commandments. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it's just, 
it's clear how there's application for us today Mm -hmm. in obeying these 10 commandments. Um, We live by faith in what God has said and told us to do. I think just Christians, what I so appreciate about this isn't our church or me or any preacher, but this is just the word. Mm -hmm. It, it cuts through the the confusion. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of Christians today who are living out in our confused world and saying, are we the crazy ones? Like, right. is it us? That's, <laughs> but, but what God's word, it's like when, when Bilbo and the Hob are in the, the dwarves are, are confused in Mirkwood in the Hobbit and they're, they can't, they can't figure out which way to go and they're getting frustrated and all the rest. And then I think the movie, unfortunately, the mute, the movie depicts this well, right? I mean, it comes out in the books, but it depicts that well when Bilbo climbs the, uh, the tree and all of a sudden sticks his head above the fray mm. and, he gets that that drinks in that air of oh and then all of a sudden he sees the lonely mountain okay there's a there's a bearingness an orientation that takes place mm. it, it it helps what god's word does is it gets us out of the fog mm. and kind of awakens our eyes to like no i'm not the crazy one for believing that men really are men and women are women and that there is created order and there is a God and he really did come and rise, die for our sins and rise, uh, rise in our place. So Mm. it just, it has a, like a, just a blasting away of the fog, at least in my mind of like, okay, we're not crazy. Um, and, and there is truth. And so what it does to me is it helps like fortify my, my, my spine helps, Mm -hmm fortify me as we go out into the world of this, this really is worth dying for. Mm. It's really is worth getting pulled into the, you know, campus security and getting, being pulled into HR and being pulled into, you know, the the courts. And it really is, we will die for the truth Mm. Um, because that same truth. And I think, I hope I made this point clear of that. The truth isn't some just abstract philosophical, Mm theorem that we like to kick around right. and call things mm-hmm. like the correspondence theory and um and whatever but it, the truth scripture makes clear is a person yeah mm-hmm. that's right and that changes everything because yeah. now i can know him and he's made me to know him and he's made this creation in order to know and glorify him mm-hmm. so the real question is how do we know him yeah. and can i be in relationship with him? And the answer is yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's revealed <laughs> that's himself. The, that's the great, the good news of the gospel. Yeah, that's right. And this command is directional too. I think you said this in your sermon where it's not just me ascribing to some truth that's out there, you know, up in the clouds or in my mind. Um, but it's actually towards my neighbor. Mm. Um, and so when I am interacting with my neighbor or my coworker or former classmates, whatever it is, um, I'm supposed to live according to the truth, even in that interaction. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And I think it's worth noting too, like, yes, we're supposed to love our neighbor by speaking truth, living truth in light of them. Um, I don't know if Paul had, if Moses had in mind, like the proximity of our neighbors actually could possibly one day be some guy on Twitter on the other side of the world. (laughs) Um, So yes, I'm supposed to love him too, by speaking truth to that random, you know, guy on Twitter way on the other side of the world. But I do think our society has so frayed or so um, do it's become so dualistic in the sense of uh, there are people, there are Christians who are all for loving the truth and speaking the truth to, to those who are wrong. But I only do that on Facebook right. when I can, when there's anonymity involved and there's 
um, because the proximus, the proximity of one's actual neighbors or mm-hmm. one's coworkers is just too, that's too uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, so I would say there are, to the people who are just, you know, the, the internet trolls and warriors who are like, yeah, let's go speak truth to power. And mm-hmm. like, let's go tell them. Well, there's, I, I don't, I think the text is, is garnering against that. And actually pointing you more grounded to where you are mm-hmm. now Who, who's in your actual sphere now mm-hmm. not just the the random guy you're getting on an, mm-hmm. or an argument with yeah. on social media that's good uh, just a lot of wisdom in that to be reminded uh, face-to-face interactions inevitably mm-hmm. are different we we just tend to talk differently take a different yeah. tone and, and tactic and um it, it it's a good reminder that even in those other interactions there really is a, a human being on the other side. Yeah. And so when you remove that, it's easier to just be more blunt or harsh or antagonistic or whatever. But I, I think that distinction speaking the truth in love it, it, in terms of, I'm just trying to discern in my own heart and mind. What, how do you know when you're just speaking the truth in love or not? Hmm. Um, and, and I think one way to approach that, think about it is just, you know, if, if you're speaking the truth, but you're you're angry mm. about it <laughs> or angry at the person on the other side. There is an appropriate biblical um, compassion for those who have been taken captive and deceived the way mm-hmm. Paul talks. Um, is that letter to Timothy about um, th- those who have been taken captive by the devil mm. to do his will? Um, we are hoping and praying that God would grant repentance yeah. to those people. That's right. Um, like you, you read Romans one and, and, um, you know, so many places we could go in, in scripture where we see our state in our sin, Ephesians two, um, Titus three, we all at one time lived in this, you know, the futility of our minds, alienated from God, darkened in our understanding. Sin is deceptive. So nobody in sin. And that state was not like, it just happened to me and I'm the victim of it. No, it, Paul and all those writers make clear it is my own that's right volition that i hate the truth Sorry, yeah Michael. yeah yeah we hate the truth we love lies all sin involves deception that's right um all sin is deceitful and misleading mm-hmm. and so it's not like well some of us were in sin but we knew exactly what we were doing no we 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 were blinded and foolish and ignorant and sin has this devastating effect on our minds mm-hmm. to keep us from seeing the truth and so then that's the thing that cultivates in us compassion and and love and care for those who are currently deceived yeah. knowing one we were once there yeah. two we would still be there if it was not for the grace of god that opened our eyes and when you think about that like how is it that i came to know the truth if i was also deceived in my sin why do i now know the truth am i do i have a higher iq sharper intellect like mm. what what mm. is it about me that I now see the truth with clarity. It's just the grace of God. He opened yeah. my eyes. He caused the light of the knowledge of the glory of Christ to shine in my heart yeah. mm. with the command. The gospel came into my life. He opened my eyes. So, so that just gives us Humbling. compassion. Yeah. And, that, and, that, and hope that the way God does it is as yes. we speak the truth. So knowing like, all right, when I speak the truth, I don't have to do it as though like saying the truth angrily will convince people. No, it's just, it's God's truth. And God has a way of opening blind eyes. Yeah in response to the truth. And yeah. so you can speak it calmly and gently and lovingly mm-hmm. and patiently because it, it's, isn't it God's kindness and patience that leads us to repentance? So it just, I, I that's, I'm that, just thinking through. No, that's really helpful. And that. that's exactly right. Because I think 
that changes our demeanor. And actually that is how we actually exercise that love to our neighbor. Um, Calvin commenting in his institutes on this, on the ninth commandment says, hence this commandment is lawfully observed when our tongue in declaring the truth serves both the good repute and the advantage of our neighbors. Yeah. So if the goal of my interaction is just to win the argument, if the goal is you're wrong, I'm going to own the libs. Here I go. I've got my, I've got my, which I think if, if I'm honest, I think if some of us are honest that when we first started, one of the big things why we got into apologetics and epistemology and theology (laughs) and philosophy is just because to win some arguments, we want to sit around and quote, talk theology, which just means just like, let's just get into a a, a mental wrestling match and see who wins. And that, that disposition coupled with the chaos of our culture Mm. um, and feeling like it's pressing down on our everyday lives. So it's, it's, you know, to some extent, it's all just gotten jumbled up. Everything's political. Um, as, as Truman says so well in his rise and triumph of modern self, everything has become political. Therefore, everything's just heightened up. Mm -hmm. So now it really feels like a true battle for my own welfare. Well, but if I think of my neighbor, not as somebody who is somebody who needs to be defeated, not as somebody who needs to be put in their place, not as somebody who I'm going to win this thing with my sheer skill, but as somebody who is lost Mm -hmm. just as I was just how you exactly Mm -hmm. were describing just as I was and then that just totally changes the dynamic and it fills me with compassion and humility and part of the commandment is to and this is what um, in the sections where I talked about like slander and Mm -hmm. backbiting and gossip um, it it, Proverbs 22 one says a good name is more profitable than anything uh, than any earthly possession and that's not only true of me that's true of others. They, mm-hmm. they have that. They're good names. So yep. in my dealings, if at, in my dealings with them, I actively, uh, you know, bad talk their good name, I have, in my attempt to obey the command, am undermining the command yeah. to love yeah. my neighbor. So that just changes things. Like, are we filled with compassion mm-hmm. for the lost world? You know, we, it's one thing to sit over here and say, we know the truth. And it's vital that we do say that. And it's vital that we do know that we know the truth and we hold fast to it in a crazy world. Unashamedly. Exactly. But it's another thing to say we know the truth and then to turn to those who are clearly lost and say, you can know it too. Um, That that just changes how we apply the command. Yeah, it does. I I think of, um, you know, like Hebrews talks about the word of God is is a double-edged sword. God's word is living and active. It, it's sharp. It pierces, mm-hmm. divides joint and bone and marrow. Um, and that metaphor of the word like a sword, um, Paul says in, in Ephesians 6, when he's talking about the armor of God, the, the sword of the spirit, he talks about, um, which is the word of God. Um, a sword can be used to do great good, but if you just run around hacking... <laughs> <laughs> anyone yeah. and everything inside you, you can do a lot of damage too. Yeah. And so having some awareness of like truth is powerful. Jesus says you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Mm-hmm. And that's to be our heart with the truth yeah. to see people set free from captivity, from deception, from darkness and blindness. Um, not just to run around cutting people down. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> when, like you said, winning arguments, proving points, whatever. Um, the, the, the truth is powerful. It's sharp. And it's to be wielded with care for the good of 
yeah. you know, to, that people would be rescued and, and yeah. delivered. So I, all of that, I think, is just so helpful mm-hmm. to, to think through in an age where deception just seems like a, man, there's a thick fog mm-hmm. of darkness over our culture. People really confuse where up is down and right is wrong and boys are girls and everything yeah. is just, you, you, like you were saying, you start to think like, well, okay, I, I'm not the crazy one, right? Like, <laughs> this, right. this is this is crazy um, to to live in this post truth world. Yeah. Um, but but no, nonetheless, I, I was thinking about how you talked yesterday. This is our Father's world. That's right. It's His spoken world. He defines reality. Jesus prays, "Sanctify them in Your truth. Your word is truth. Not just Your word is true. Right. Your word corresponds to reality. No, Your word is truth. God's word defines reality. If I hadn't already been at forty six hundred words, oh my. I would have added that. There's so many more things you could have, <laughs> yeah, should have, would have said. Because that is, I mean, that really changes everything. That yes. that whether or not Jesus prayed, sanctify. And notice. We always, you know, we always jump to that second line, but that mm-hmm. first line, make them holy in your truth. Set yeah. them apart by your truth. It's the truth that your truth, your word, which includes him, mm-hmm. is truth. Not is true, but is truth. It, it yeah. actually does define reality. It doesn't yeah. align with reality, but defines reality. Yeah. That changes it's, it's a game changer. everything. Yeah. And John says that truth, that word is light. And that light was the mm-hmm. life of man. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so... We can experience, like you said earlier, Matt, the good life mm. when we live according to the truth. Yes, people might hate you and slander you and say all false things against you, but rejoice, be glad. Yeah. That's right. Because um, we have life yeah. in Jesus. Yeah, this is good. I'm just aware, uh, you know, it's a heavy thing. Um, we could be talking about the ninth commandment at many other times in world history, probably focusing on different applications, but, but you know, Michigan just passed this law. Was it last week? Yeah, last um, week. That what's the fine? Ten, twenty thousand dollars. I think it's ten grand. Um, yeah, if you don't use somebody's preferred pronouns, or if you engage in you know what somebody else considers to be hate speech against them, so that yeah, this is not far away. That's a couple states over from us. It's sweeping through Canada and Europe, and now our country. And um, you know, like, there's a lot on the line financially, economically, people's livelihoods at stake. Like you're talking about that, that is a heavy thing. And so even in talking through this, like, well, we, we have to mm. speak the truth. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a, a weighty thing to mm. consider like this, this could cost people their job, yeah. their, uh, vocational stability. Um, there, there's a lot at stake and yet it's because God is a God of truth and you know, he, he tells no lies that we love the truth and through his word, know that this, this is how we best love mm. our neighbors by, mm. by speaking the truth in love. And so we, we need God's grace yeah. for the days and, and years ahead yeah. mm-hmm. for sure. So Amen. Matt, thank you for helping us apply mm-hmm. this to it's this particular order. time. And it's good to talk through this with you guys and yeah. consider what it looks like to live this out right now. So may God be praised and may his word run.